Welcome to Learner on Learning. I'm Dr. Howard Lerner, Superintendent of Burton County Special Services, and this is part three of four podcasts relating to special education and related services in this county. Today, we're focusing on programs for the deaf and hard of hearing. Our guests are Lisa Stewart, Supervisor for the Programs for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and Dana Despoto and Gina Donatian, Teachers in Charge for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing Programs. Welcome, everybody. Let's start by hearing a little bit about all of the programs we're involved in. I want to hear about the programs you oversee and the populations of students in those programs. And Lisa, why don't we start with you? Thank you, Dr. Lerner. Um, currently, I am supervising the Sound Solution Program, which provides services to students in their home districts. We have a team of teachers and educational audiologists, and we provide services in six counties in New Jersey. Our teachers of the deaf and hard of hearing see over 300 students, and our educational audiologists see about 400 students students with hearing loss and central auditory processing disorders. How many districts are we in? We're in six counties. So we have Northern New Jersey covered. <laughs> we are uh -huh. all over. So um, do you think we're in over a hundred school districts in the state? Yes. In addition, we provide early intervention services. Uh, that is from birth to age three for babies with hearing loss, supporting those children in their journey for um, access and supporting their families as well. I also supervise our total communication program at Union Street School for the Deaf, which is a program from preschool to grade four. And can you explain what you mean by total communication? to the audience. So these are students who need something additional to the auditory input. So we use sign language to support their learning as well as auditory access and um, spoken language. So we focus on all those modalities so that, um, that those students can learn in, right. in the manner that they need. Terrific. Gina, why don't we go to you? Hi, um, so I'm a teacher in charge over at Union Street School. So I work with Lisa um, with the children that she just explained, which would be the total communication children. Mm -hmm. um, I have always liked to just explain it as we give them pretty much any, any way possible to input the information to them any way that they need. Um, so it can be very individualized. We have kids that range um, from being mildly hard of hearing to profoundly deaf. And um, people think that it's just sign language, but it's not. Our school is actually very loud. Um, you, if you walk into the school, you will hear a lot of talking. You will hear a lot of volume. We use hearing assistance technology. We use everything possible to give the kids that input. I can attest to that because I've spoken to that <laughs> school a lot. Thank you, Gina. Dana, what can you tell us about your programs? 
So we are in a host site of Midland Park and we service students um, in grades pre-K all the way up through 12th grade. So we're in all the schools in Midland Park, Godwin Highland and the junior and senior high school. Um, so the pre-K through grade four program just focuses on listening and spoken language. Um, so Gina and Lisa talked a lot about total communication. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have students learning by listening and spoken language where they're just using audition alone. So they're using their devices that they have whether it's hearing aids, Bajas, cochlear implants, to really help give them access to spoken language. So they're learning by listening. So in those grades, we don't use any additional sign language or modes of um, visual communication. We really want them to hone in on those skills using the technology that they have um, and that their family has chosen for them. The beauty of this is that in, uh, in grade five, uh, we merge together and we combine our listening and spoken language program with our total communication program. So grades five up, we have everybody together with kids that are still in our program. So they really get a sense of learning about kids that are also deaf and hard of hearing that might not be using the same kind of communication method that they are. So it's a really nice kind of program that bridges together. Great. And that gives us a really nice sense of the different types of programs that we're providing here in, in Bergen County Special Services. So thank you for that. I'd like to add, because this is sure. such a small incident population, the joining of the students in the total communication and the auditory program at grade five has been instrumental in providing that social emotional component that these students need uh, so that they don't feel like they are alone in this journey. So it's it's really been very positive. And I think just piggybacking off of Lisa, the beauty of having this whole spectrum when we talk about a continuum of deaf and hard of hearing is that if we have a, a child in Midland Park who might not be responding the way we think they are, Gina and I are on in constant communication and we can kind of coach the family into other options that might help this child get communication and access communication and vice versa. So the beauty of having the whole spectrum on the continuum of, of students that are deaf and hard of hearing is really beautiful for the families that we service because we can coach them and guide them and just the best choice for their family. Yeah, and they have a lot of options to choose from, which yeah. is really terrific. So um, I recently saw and heard a TED talk uh, with Dr. Carl White. He's a psychology professor at Utah State University, and he's the founding director of the National Center for Hearing Assessment and Management. In that TED talk, he identified three contributing factors to the advancement of deaf education over the past 30 years. I'd like you to take a listen, and then we'll talk a little bit on the other side. So what enabled us to move from where we were 30 years ago to where we are today? There are really three factors, all of which Utah State University has been very involved in moving forward. The first is earlier identification of hearing loss. The second is the availability of better hearing technology. And the third is the availability of high quality early intervention programs. Okay, so... Uh we heard what uh, Dr. White had to say. Um, could one of you start off and, and, and tell us uh, some of the approaches you're using in your programs to meet the needs of students who are deaf and or hard of hearing, um, not just early intervention, but you know, through high school as well? Well, um, I think BCSS really has us covered. We start off with the early intervention support 
um, it's present within our programs and within our sound solutions program as well. We have educational audiologists on staff that support the technology component by um, providing our students with hearing assistance technology if appropriate. Uh, that predominantly consists of bringing the speaker's voice directly into the child's devices. Mm -hmm. So it eliminates that pesky background noise and, and presents a nice, clear auditory signal that is used in all our programs. Um, you know, our teachers are experienced in educating students with hearing loss. We have continual professional development and our therapists incorporate auditory verbal based techniques into their sessions. Um, we have the support of staff who sign for those students who use that modality in addition. Um, so we really have the full gamut of services and implement best practices for educating students with hearing loss. Great. I know Dr. White talked, um, one of his three factors had to do with technology. Um, Dana or, or Gina, can you, can you speak to that a bit? Well, I think, you know, in, in the past decade or so, technology has come so far um, for our students in, in general with the technology that they have with their personal amplification. So even when we're talking about hearing aids and cochlear implants, um, we're able to give them access to sounds that just weren't accessible for them, you know, a decade ago. So that's part of the technology that has changed and help our students in terms of listening and spoken language and total communication of really accessing sound. So that's technology that's changed that's really helped them. Um, and then just the technology in terms of hearing assistance technology has changed so much that we have smart boards in classrooms, we have sound towers that all needs to be connected and working together for our students to access it. So that's the beauty of having full-time audiologists in programs um, to really help incorporate all of this tech technology together so that our students have access to everything in this new day and age for technology. Um, so that's a really big piece of the technology aspect that in program we have as well. And our, and our teachers out on the road and our audiologists out on the road in Sound Solutions help, help other districts incorporate that into their classrooms. Gina, do you have uh, anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I was going to say, I've been around long enough. Um, I'm, I'm getting a little bit old that um, I do remember when the technology was a box with straps around the body for the kids. It was very visible. Um, it was very cumbersome on the teachers. We've gone through so many um, evolutions of technology that at the time were groundbreaking. Um, I was around when our first students were getting cochlear implants and when we started doing early intervention. And the difference that I see, and I, I was most of my career at the high school level, um, the difference that you could see from the kids who had early intervention and were with us all the way through the program, as opposed to maybe kids who came in at eighth grade, didn't have all that early intervention, didn't have as good of technology. There's a huge difference between their language access and even the amount of um, auditory access they have at very young ages now. You can, the difference with, you know, the way kids can even talk a lot of times now compared to 25 years ago. Um, is is truly amazing. And so um, that video definitely shows exactly what, what this district has done over the past 20 to 25 years to bring our kids up to 
the best possible chances of having all of that access that they can have to be great learners. Well, that, that's a, a great segue into the question I had for the three of you. And I know I'm the superintendent of Bergen County Special Services, but the question is, do we have the resources, the technology, and the equipment needed for all of our students in this uh, continuum uh, to provide what they need? This hearing assistance technology becomes obsolete in a matter of a five to seven year cycle. And our district has been instrumental in replacing and always acquiring the newest technology for our students. In the high school, we also have CART providers, which is really important for our high school students. So our CART providers need technology updated all the time that they use, whether it's an iPad, computer, or laptop, so that they're captioning in live stream for these students who are able to read it on an iPad that's really small on their desk or an iPod touch or a Chromebook. So all of that's really also instrumental in helping our high school students access the curriculum in different ways as well. Are these the types of technologies that you're talking about, is this typical in a local school district uh, or is it uh, really something unique that Bergen County Special Services can offer because of the type of programs we have here? I think in, in terms of Bergen County program schools, we do have a lot of the integrated systems. So our audiologist, Dr. Rogoff, talks a lot about integrated systems within the smart board and the hearing assistance technology. Um, that is a program we're so fortunate to have in every classroom for our students, whether it be specials, um, collaborative classrooms, small small SGI classrooms, um, that I think is just may, might not be feasible for students out in the mainstream and in district if they're changing classes throughout the day. It's just the upkeep is very hard um, on districts. So I think that is something that we we have uh, a unique handle on here in program for our students. And, and we definitely coach and guide districts on how to best support their students with the needs, but it might just not be feasible for every district. Great. Thank you, Dan. I, I really um, appreciate so much the range of uh, programs that we have for students who are uh, deaf and hard of hearing you know, anything from our standalone programs all the way to providing the services in local districts so students could stay in their, you know, general ed classes. It's really terrific. I want to shift now and ask you to listen to an, another clip. Uh, all of our programs uh, recently, of course, have been impacted by COVID-19, uh, especially our programs for deaf and hard of hearing. I'd like to play a clip from MCPS Media's investigation on how teachers are adapting to this new climate. In today's age, with having to wear masks and having some students online and some students in class, I do have deaf students who are faced with those challenges both in my classroom and online teaching. The students rely very heavily on reading our lips, on our facial expressions, which can be hidden very easily with that mask. When you do Teams online or you do Zoom, the, the pictures get to be like the Brady Bunch and they're very tiny. It, it's very hard to see an interpreter. All right, uh, Gina, why don't you start us off? What measures have we taken to address the needs of the deaf and hard of hearing students in, in this new environment? Well, one thing I always say is I'm, I'm pretty proud of um, our continuum. I think that we responded extremely quickly last March 
when we went into our shutdown, um, even though in the beginning we all thought it was going to be two weeks, um, we very quickly realized that the parents needed a lot of assistance to be able to help their children learn in this new format. And so um, we immediately, of course, all of Bergen County Special Services, but we got those Chromebooks and iPads and whatever we could get out to the students. We had students who didn't have internet, who some of the students received MiFi's. We did a lot of assistance with the parents, uh, teaching them how to get online. And, and um, you know, one of the parents had said, you know, the teacher was giving her the instructions and saying stuff like your kid needs to sign on RAS kids and IXL. And she was like, I had no idea what any of those words meant. You know, things that were just so normal to us and the students at school. So there was a lot of teaching that went to the parents first, even before the students. Um, we also got on Zoom extremely quickly in order to start being visible to the students. Um, we have spent a lot of time uh, with collaborating with the interpreters, with the speech teachers, with the audiologists about how the computers sound. The, the sound has become both troublesome and, again, we're so fortunate that we can have these things going to our students that everybody is able to be on and learn. Um, we have constantly gone through, uh, you know, everybody emailing back and forth. What are you doing about this sound? How are you, how's the sound access coming from home? The kids at home can't hear, but the kids in the school can. And it's been, it's been quite a journey, um, quite honestly, for this continuum to be able to provide the services that we provide. I think one of the key things in all of this has been having audiologists always ready and available to us to have these discussions having the technology to send home to the families was imperative. Um, we also realized as that teacher was saying in that podcast about, I'm sorry, in that Zoom about how when more students get on, the boxes get very small. I'm a very big screen, but the Chromebook screen is about the size of a piece of paper. So the more people that are on, the harder it is to see. So again, we learned within Zoom, we learned about speaker view and all these different things. And, and I, I just feel that all of our staff has been consistently working on doing better and better with the technology that we have available to help the students, um, Google Classroom, Class Dojo, just anything we can do to provide to the families and to those students to help them be online and be able to see their teachers, to be able to hear their teachers, and to be able to fully participate in their educations. That's great, Gina. And, and you, you bring up two words that I think should be like Time Magazine's words of the year, you know, Zoom and unprecedented. <laughs> you know, that, that that seems to be the two words of the, of, of this year. Uh, Dana or Elisa, any, anything to add? Um, I, th I think Gina hit, hit a lot of it on the head, right? Hit a nail on the head with a lot of it. Um, our, I think a, a large nod goes off to our teachers. We have very strong teachers and staff and interpreters um, who all came together, were flexible, um, and they took on roles that they didn't ever think in their career that they might have to take on. Um, it just it goes beyond um, teaching your students, being a teacher of the deaf and knowing the strategies. Um, like Gina said, it, they had to work with technology. They became technicians in their own way. They learned a lot more about audiology, um, but they also became it's, it's parents. Staff, 
the staff has been fantastic. In yeah, they, they've had to take on this role of a parent coach almost also, which you don't typically, you know, you, you have conferences with parents, but now when you're on Zoom with students and within the families, you become this coach also. So I think that that's a new role that they've taken on, which has really helped families in general throughout this process. Great. Lisa, anything to add? Sure. You know, our technology department and assistive technology department have been instrumental in regards to providing the technology that is needed and the training. So learning has become interactive, even though it is remote. We've found ways so that the students can participate, whether it's boom cards or through Kami, mm -hmm. um, just some programs that are used to keep students involved. And as Dana mentioned, the relationships that are we are building with families have become so much stronger. I don't think these parents will ever forget these teachers who have come into their homes to educate their children. Yeah, great point. Really great point. Well, all of our programs, all of these strategies are just fantastic. Um, I do want to thank you, Ms. Stewart, Ms. Donatian, and Ms. Despoto for taking the time to have this discussion with us today and for sharing some of these incredible strategies you are all using to address the needs of the students who are deaf and hard of hearing here at uh, Bergen County Special Services. And to you, the listeners, thank you for joining us for season two, episode three of Learner on Learning.